And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Let me grab a hymn. Whoa. Does somebody have a particular hymn that they would like to choose? Go ahead, Joe. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Do you know what page it is by chance? Okay, look in the index. Jesus paid... 130. Bless you. 131. 131. Jesus paid it all. Let's go ahead and stand. Uh, I'll give you an opportunity to stretch a little bit. <clears throat> I heard the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin had left no crimson stain, I don't, Doris. Uh, is it one that we sing from time to time? Yeah, it's in this book, but I can't remember what page it is. And the title is? Is anybody familiar with that? Can you help me out? I don't know what she's talking about. I just can't think of the name of the book. Can you say some of the words that go with it? Maybe I can pick it up. Step up the tempo a little bit um, since we're singing an acapella song. All praise to
Good evening, everyone. I am uh, going to start right off by telling you uh, uh, what has happened just recently. I don't know if you're on my ministry page, uh, but it's been one tragedy after another. Um, my son's one of my son's best friends, uh, she, uh, a girl he went to college with, um, was on vacation with her husband and three kids and her sister-in-law out in Montana, right here from Syracuse, um, a deranged ex-boyfriend, I guess is what I hear, uh, came in and tried to run them down with the truck, uh, then put out a shotgun and then shot, um, killed, um, killed the husband, <coughs> tried to shot the, uh, our friend uh, who was holding an 18-month-old baby, and the baby and her husband died. And the husband, uh, or the husband's sister, that's who this 
deranged man come to get. She ended up fighting for her life and ended up taking his life. But she's in critical condition right now in uh, Montana. And so is my, uh, my uh, son's uh, friend. So I, there, there's just no words. And the only thing I could do is just post things to have people pray. Because we've never been through a tragedy like this. This is, uh, this is a tough one. So, and I know that if I had the platform here, at least I could announce it here and get the just church praying. I put it on my ministry page. Um, I don't even know how to uh, even talk. I, can't, I couldn't even breathe when we first heard it. My son is terribly upset at home. And he did get to finally talk to her in the ICU in Montana. She, very few words though. Um, she's got a punctured lung uh, from the bullet. Um, so holding her lungs so she's got to be able to stay there for a couple weeks they can't fly when you have that and um, I don't know how long she'll be in ICU but she, they just need a lot of prayer right now if you want details I, I just don't believe I need to give them but you can go on Syracuse, one of the Syracuse news, newspapers and you'll find out all that happened because they're because they're right here from locally so it's crazy world out there right now and I can't imagine the grief and uh, trying to think of the future right now. With uh, it was it, the blessing was the two young, the two older kids ran for their lives and theirs were spared. Uh, so, but everything else just a mess. So, Father, thank you for the comforting words of Scripture tonight. And uh, I want to, I do want to finish this science versus Scripture, uh, Lord, tonight and kind of wrap this up. But I want to start with another verse, if I can, Lord. And I'll thank you in advance for how you're going to uh, talk to my heart tonight. And we'll just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll turn to verse, uh, or Psalm 33, I think we'll read correspondently like that. You can say, I'm going to start with verse 4. We're going to end on verse 11. Sometimes we've got to be reminded of things like this. Uh, um, because, you know, here, here's the way I look at it. I know a lot of people will look at God and say, why didn't you stop this? But... My heart's a little different at this point in my life. Mine is, look what we did to grieve our God, you know, and the depravity and, and how he must hurt over this. Even though I know he allows some things and then works them out for good, it's still, it's still got to break his heart that our sin, our wickedness, right, would pull something like this in the middle of a, a vacation. So it says this. I'm going to start with verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right and all his works are done in truth. By the way, all the goodness that's in the Lord uh, is of the earth is. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. There is no king saved by the multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And I'll finish these last ones, if you don't mind. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death, and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Um, tonight, I want to come to our last truth. So I'm going to, uh, I'd like you to turn over to 1 Timothy 6 and just, uh, just go over that scripture verse again. The last uh, warning that Paul gave um, of the three warnings in verse 20. He says this, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings, 
and oppositions of science falsely so-called. Joe Sullivan just gave me a, a um, which fits right in tonight, a, a paper about a, uh, a pastor in some denomination that has now said he got called from God to be a woman. And that's how he's going to minister from here on out. So you can see what's going on here when we're talking science versus scripture because this all fits in there. So tonight we come to our last truth that Paul was warning Timothy about concerning science and scripture. Uh, avoid oppositions of science falsely so called. Avoid oppositions of science falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. So we first learn the four faces of forces of God, right? His perfect wisdom, his providential work, his perpetual word, and his preeminent will. Second, we learned, secondly, we learned about the first truth Paul warned Timothy about, to keep that which is committed to thy trust. Paul was saying, protect that which has been entrusted to you. Be on constant guard on that which is right. Don't fall asleep while on watch because the enemy will swoop in and take it all away from you. So we learn that the word translated as keep in this context has a sense of, has a sense of guard from being lost or taken away from you. There are some so morally sick today and mentally deranged, as, we, as I just know, in this nation. They are now trying to codify, and I can't even believe this in our government, they're trying to codify the right for a mother to kill her own babies in the law. They're so angry at this Roe v. Wade thing. So many Christians today are so biblically illiterate, they're joining the ranks with the unrighteous now. And they're demanding women have the right to defy God and his creation. And then we learned, right, that to avoid profane and vain babblings. So Paul warned Tim to avoid the ungodly, foolish debates. Uh, the word translated as vain babblings has a sense of useless debate. So Paul was saying, don't cast your pearls before the swine. Don't waste your time trying to win an argument against the vile and vindictive mockers of God who have no intent of changing their mind, by the way. They just want to come in and stir up stuff. And Christians who stand firm upon the Bible will be mocked even by their own brethren. Uh, remember, Jesus was mocked even by his own friends and family. Um, I, I was just amazed when I thought about how in that Lazarus, and I spoke to you about this, that if he had a church in, in um, Nazareth, uh, he, he wouldn't even have had his own family attending that church because his own brother James didn't even believe he was the Messiah. So the scoffers are here. And unfortunately, many of them are now professing Christians, and this is what breaks my heart more than anything else. Uh, tonight, we close with this series with Paul's final warning, and he says, avoid the oppositions of science, falsely so-called. It's only reference that I know of in the Bible about science, but Paul warned them to avoid the proponents of false science. The word translated as science actually has a, uh, the idea of knowledge in general, but that word translated as Falsely so-called literally means falsely named. So the warning is of so-called knowledge that is false uh, and doesn't line up with Scripture or what we might refer to today as pseudoscience. So pseudoscience is a collection of beliefs and practices mistakenly regarded as being true based on scientific methods that aren't true, nor are they scriptural. So they are false claims based on bad science, much of what goes on under the banner of science, uh, which we label as truth, is either not true, not credible, or not reliable. And most of the time, it's not even science. So you look at all the claims out there concerning pills and programs that can help you lose weight, make you healthier, healthier cure diseases, build muscles. I mean, everything's out there. They make their claims, and people walk right into their traps. Uh, because what? They're looking for hope. They're looking for help or, or they're looking for healing. They're just looking for direction and a quick fix. And, uh, and of course, Satan knows that. And they throw in all the pseudoscience to try to get you to buy into it. They make millions. You go broke trying to, uh, trying to get your, what you want. So many people throw science into your face like it's the end all or the ultimate truth. And, and, and it's not. And ultimately, uh, or anyone who's generally a science advocate knows this truth. You know, I was, uh, my, my, all my kids were science majors, and it's one of the few subjects that I kind of went through and passed in school. So science is not an end-all. Everybody's got to understand that. This is why we can't throw science into somebody's face with statements like, I follow the science, right? Because science is, no, is so volatile. It just changes. 
And this is hard for me to believe, but it's true. There are actual, my son just told me this, when he went to Christian college, there are actual science professors in Christian colleges who are Christian professors who believe in evolution. That doesn't even register in my mind. Right? Uh, they think God used evolution to bring into existence, uh, bring uh, life into existence through millions of years and millions of monkeys. I, I don't get it. They think God used evolution to do this. I, and this is what is happening right now. We're buying into all this stuff right now. God help us. You know, the Bible says God spoke everything into existence, and that's why I, we read that just a minute ago. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And we just read, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. What don't they understand? In the beginning he created the heaven and the earth. It's just amazing. In Genesis 1, and especially Genesis 1, 1 is not true, then the whole Bible is, is put into jeopardy including the gospel of Jesus Christ. Evolutionary theories, genetic behaviorism, educational philosophies, all fall short of the context of Scripture because of the God who created everything for himself. He is the only one that knows all and knows how everything works. How do we go to science? We, we, and then put that above his Scripture. They can't be reconciled. There's no way to reconcile them together. Most science advocates won't admit this because it silences their narrative. You know, you hear about all the shootings out there right now, right? You hear about them all. I mean, and let's get rid of these guns. And I'm sure this last shooting that, that my family's in dealt with now is they're going to say, you know, this is why we've got to get rid of the guns. I'm saying, but they don't talk anything about in Montana at the same time in a mall shooting, a guy that was packing pulled it out and killed the shooter before he killed multiple people. They don't even put that in the news because it doesn't follow their narrative. So we have now made sinful weaknesses genetic diseases in the name of pseudoscience. We've made immoral lifestyles, normal behavior, all in the matter of pseudoscience. Just look, ask Joe to show you that article. I mean, now, they're, now we, they got on the front page in the paper. Right? We've made immoral lifestyles normal behavior, right? And if that's not bad enough, we've turned gender confusion into biological evidence now. Now they're posting things. Christians are posting things that there's biological evidence that there's more genders than just the two God made. What are we doing? Well, it's all in the name of pseudoscience. Now we're questioning logical, biblical, moral, common sense, and we're replacing it with nonsense. Common sense is no longer... Uh, uh, common or sensible. You know, Dr. Um, David Cooper has been credited as the first one who said this. When the plain sense of Scripture makes, co uh, makes common sense, seek no other sense. And that's well said. I mean, actually it is. We're calling evil good and good evil. We're making truth lies and lies truth. We're making right wrong and wrong right. And God said in, in Isaiah 5.20, Woe unto them that do that. Woe unto them. We're turning the truth into a fallacy based on science that is without any scriptural merit. None. And without any common sense, we're seeking nonsense to satisfy our lack of understanding and our thirst for sexual desires and all the things that are out there uh, that are tempting us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him. Then he'll direct. Right? He'll take care of the path. As I said last week, Paul ends the epistle with this very cryptic comment, which some professing have erred from the faith. Do you hear that? Professing Christians, erring from the faith. They were dealing with it even back then. It's, it's a sad commentary when we are now arguing with Christians more than we are with unbelievers about biblical common sense. Um, Christians have always erred from the faith and will continue to err regarding their faith because of this pseudoscience lies. Like I said last week, they, gotta, they just have to be heard. You know, I, I'm just amazed today at what goes on in Christianity. How they're not afraid to say anything and do anything, even if it means splitting a church or causing a family separation, doesn't matter. As long as I, you know, as long as I can get my way or, or state my statement and, 
And, you know, it's all, this is all based on pseudoscience. That's what it is. It just feeds that mountain of pride that's within our flesh. Christians have always erred, and they're going to err, but we, if we stick to the Word of God, we'll limit that. Quite, otherwise, it's going to be the blind leading the blind, as, blind, as it says in Luke 6.39. Even Christians, if they're not careful, they can be led astray and then become very dogmatic about these false beliefs based on this si false science. And as I said earlier, usually the Christians who cause others hypocrites are the biggest hypocrites themselves because they, are, they see others' faults worse than their own. I, um, the undiscerning Christian back then and even now are led astray from the truth of God's word because they have given higher credence to science, false science, than they do to the final authority of God's scripture. So they've erred from the truth by making science superior and scripture inferior. In other words, yeah, we believe God, but you know it's antiquated. The Bible's antiquated. It doesn't have what we need for today. In fact, I got thinking about this. You can't even give your side of the argument anymore because of their unwillingness to entertain dissent or discussion. So in other words, you try to get into discussion. If you disagree with them, you're the enemy, you're the bad person, they end up just either walking away or screaming in your face. So in other words, when it comes to having confidence through fearful, unfamiliar, and unknown times, or the times of limited understanding, which we're going through right now, all over the world, science is now taking precedent, precedence over God's word, and they're so passionate about it, they're ready to fight to death to, to, to offend it. So the sad result is they've lost their ability to see common sense. They're totally blind. In their eyes, the doctor, the scientist, uh, the professor, no more than God. And I, I got thinking about those professors. Jesus is their savior, but not their shepherd. They're not following him. They're glad he saved them. They're, they're led by science. They're just this wacko belief of evolution is just crazy. Satan got that one in, and everything's been building off that ever since. You know, the Bible to them is antiquated, insufficient, and we, as Christians, who believe the Word of God are intolerant and unloving. Be very careful of them. Be very careful of who you follow in these destructive narratives. So you can easily be fooled by them too, but you can also easily identify them. Let me just give you some things. Just follow their social platforms, their public platforms, and their political affiliations. And they may call themselves a Christian, but you can see right on there what they really believe. You can very quickly see who they are, what they falsely believe. You can tell by their political affiliation who they vote for. You can also see what we're up against, too, when you see how hard they fight for what they believe. Philippians 3, 18, 19, Paul tells them to decline the ways of carnal Christians, for many walk of whom I have I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose, belly is, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. And then Paul says uh, in, in uh, Romans 16, 17 through 18, he says, mark them. Put a mark on them. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to doctrine, which you have learned, and avoid them. For they are such serve not the, our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, by their good words and their fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. So here are some of the markers um, that, that I'm talking, that he's talking about, that I'm more concerned about. Here they are. Here's one. They're more concerned about their rights than they are about righteousness. That's what's going on out in the world right now. They're more concerned about getting their rights. They don't, not so, that's concerned about righteousness. Uh, they're more concerned about their happiness than they are about their holiness. They're more concerned about grace than they are about the pursuit of godliness. Right? They're more about allowing someone to make mistakes than they are about helping someone avoid mistakes. To them, loving people in their sin is more important than loving people out of their sin. They're quick to say, you have no right to judge me as they judge you for judging them. So the more, uh, the more it's about them, that's really what it is, having the right to please themselves than they are about pleasing their Savior and their God. They're driven by their own personal identities. Then they are about their divine identity in God. So we were made, think about this, in the likeness of God. We are his workmanship designed to fulfill his will. They have to 
they love to point out God's love and forgiveness, but they forget, they get really, really silent on God's hatred of sin. They just won't talk about that. I can't tell you how many times they talk about the woman that was caught in adultery. And they'll say, well, pastor, you heard you said, go, you know, don't throw any stones. You know, he forgave her. And I said, yeah, but he also said, go and sin no more. Their agenda is a slippery slope because they want all the accessibility to all that they can have, but no accountability for whatever they receive. So this pseudoscience is nothing new. It's just gotten worse. And when we think about it, it's now out of control, causing great harm to Christ and his church. I'm not sure where it's all going to go. It sickens my stomach. But Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, and wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You know, that's in the Bible, by the way. Jesus made it painfully clear when he said, many are headed the way of death. Many are headed the way of destruction. There are few there be that are headed the way of life and longevity. So where do we go from here? Right? Where, do I, where do we take this from here? We've just got to keep standing on the word. I, I see a very serious issue facing us today as believers, and it's called social silence. We're afraid to say anything. Because we want to be socially accepted. To be socially accepted, you have to be silent against sin. We're, we've all but stopped calling sin, sin, under the false assumption that loving them in their sin is more, upon, more important than loving them out of their sin. And because the world doesn't like it, uh, that we call, them, call it sin, something sin, we as Christians stop calling sin, sin, because we want to be accepted. And that has not to offend uh, the world. And as a result, people are participating in things that are strictly forbidden by God, not knowing that one day they're going to stand and judge for participating in those things. Now we, now we downplay every sin issue in an effort to not be rejected, and as a result, we're adding to their harm. It's not really affecting us any because we believe and we're following the word of God, but by being silent, we're just fueling the fire. And now we accept every sin in the name of love and diversity, escorting them right down the path to eternal separation. Meanwhile, those of us who are trying to follow Jesus and do what he asks, preaching the truth is getting harder and harder and harder to fulfill that task. They're now arresting pastors. They're now, uh, now, they're now stopping you from street preaching. They're now, you know, they're doing anything they can to keep the word of... Uh, to keep you from uh, professing the word of God. People don't want to hear the truth anymore if it goes against their agenda or their narrative. So Christians who don't want to rock the boat for fear of being labeled judgmental or intolerant, what they do is they just go silent. They just say, well, you can live your life the way you live it, and I'm going to live my life the way I live it. And, uh, and they never find out that what they're doing is wrong according to Scripture. God's word can be confrontational. It can be very convicting and sometimes offensive, offensive to some, but that does not allow us to shy away from condemning sin or avoiding controversial, controversial issues as to not offend anyone. Everything Jesus said offended people because he was the word, living word of God. In fact, it should motivate us to continue, uh, to, continue to do so because, Jesus, because of Jesus Christ and many of his messages were very confrontational and offensive to those he was trying to reach. Hear, hear what Jesus said concerning this issue, right? Woe well unto the world because of, uh, for, uh, of offenses, that, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe well to that man by whom the offense cometh. You see what he's saying? You know, there's going to be, offenses are going to come, but woe to the one that it comes. Peter said it this way, Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, 1 Peter 2, 7 and 8, but unto them which he be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and the stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. In other words, it was meant to stumble people up when you, when, when you read them the word of God. It was meant to trip them up. It is not our goal to offend people, but, his word, but the word of God will be offensive to people if we're going to use it. 
Addressing sin is part of God's divine plan, an appointment between himself and those who are in sin. That's what it's all about. So they must get offended for God to be able to get their attention and then address their sinful uh, issues before it's too late. Because otherwise, they'll never know. So those who love the word of God, nothing that comes from the word of God will offend them. Right? It says, in fact, just the opposite happens. Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. But those that don't love thy law, it's great chaos. And those who are ignorant of the word of God, they are offended very easily because Satan has deceived them into thinking God is only loving and never angry or upset over sin. That's one of the things we're dealing with right now. I had one of my close friends came over uh, yesterday, I think it was, and she's telling me how somebody in her family is, had attacked, basically attacked her. They were homosexuals and attacked her and said, it's not, it's not in the Bible. Nothing's in the Bible that says a homosexual is wrong. Well, obviously, they're not reading their Bible. Right? And she said, I didn't know what to say. I mean, I couldn't even. She said, I should know my Bible better. She said, so I could take them. And I said, just tell them, ask them what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, what did God, did God change his mind since then? If he did, he had, he's got a lot of apologizing to do all those people in Sodom and Gomorrah. People need the Lord. Therefore, people need the truth. Amen even when it hurts or may cause them to fight against you. Without the truths of God's word being shared, as Jesus commanded us to do, people get caught up in their sin and will not have a chance of being set free. That's, why, that's where we come into the picture as Christians. Jesus still loves everyone, but that does not or should not justify our silence when it comes to sin. When Jesus and these truths being shared with lost, without Jesus and these truths being shared with lost people, they will have no place to look for hope and deliverance and no purpose to base their hope and deliverance on. So you're not judgmental when you see someone living in sin and you intervene to try to save them out of it. There was a um, transvestite was in Fonda. I can't believe it. Fonda, 768 people, I think, out there. And all of a sudden, the transvestite shows up in town with a son. And now he's his mother. And I was knocking on the door, and uh, he invited me in. And I went in and talked to him about the Lord. He got very offended, but he listened. And I just shared with him the gospel and shared how much God loves him. And he's had some you know, bad times and, uh, in his past, and I think maybe that's why he's messed up a little bit. But do you know every time I go down, would go down on Main Street and he'd be there, he'd come over and he'd want to talk to me and, and uh, hear more about what I had to say because I cared about him. You know? And this is what's going on all around the world right now, even in our school systems. I was just told in our local school system, there's one girl that identifies as a cat and there's one boy that identifies as a dog. So the teacher has to let, they had to put a, what's that called when the cat's peeing? They had to put a litter box in the girl's bathroom for her. I'm telling you the truth. And they had to let the boy go outside and pee in the weeds like a dog. But if a kid comes in that classroom and has a cap on, he can't participate in the class because you can't wear hats in the class. Where have we gone with all of this? He's got to be. You're not judgmental when you see someone living in sin and you just want to help them out of their sin. There are so many people who profess Christ but do not possess Christ. And, and sadly, these, they, there are so many Christians who possess Christ and don't profess Christ. So it's just the opposite. We have to be ambassadors for truth. I am reminded of what God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 23, 29 to 32, he says, Is not my word like a as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. And that's, that's part of the silence. You're stealing 
from your neighbor who needs those words when we stay silent. His word breaks the hardened sinful heart, but many are trying to misuse his word to bless sinful behavior and put words into God's mouth he never said. There's no way that God spoke to that preacher, whoever he was, and said, I want you to be a girl. There's no way he said that. That's not what God would say. But people will jump right onto that. His word breaks the hardened, sinful heart. We just have to keep preaching the word of God and ask God, uh, uh, ask God to help us all to share these wonderful truths of life. While we still have time to do so before it's too late for the wayward, blinded generation. So I just close with those points again. Remember his perfect wisdom, his providential work, his perpetual, <coughs> perpetual word, his preeminent will, always takes precedence over science. Keep that which is committed to thy trust. Protect what has been entrusted to you. Don't give in to that pseudoscience. Be on constant guard of, the, of what is right and, and avoid profane and vain babblings. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't get into these arguments. Take them to Jesus. When, you, when you're witness somebody, don't, when they ask you questions about things, just say, listen, we'll go there later. I've got to share with you something first that's more important to you right now. And then avoid opposition to the science, falsely so-called. Just keep preaching the word of God. Just keep asking God to help you to share these wonderful truths of life. Just stay loving and compassionate as you do it while we still have time to do it before he's coming. I really believe you're absolutely right. Jesus is on his way. We have a, a, a world to save right now. And I think uh, we got to get more busy than we ever have with trying to reach people with Jesus. I really do. So, Father, thank you for every opportunity we have. We ask, Lord, for the opportunities. Bring them to us, Lord, if we miss them. But we want to we we catch them with the gospel. We want to see their hearts break over their sin and then bow themselves before you and plead for mercy so that you can save them. We, have, we know, Lord, you're coming soon. We just know it. Just, the long-suffering, Lord, is I know it's about to end. You've suffered long enough, and we're so sorry, Lord, for how we have treated you, especially the way this nation is treating you right now with all of this false sciences that we back, base our backings on. So, Lord, please... Bring revival. Come down, Lord, upon us. Shake this world up. Show them Jesus. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me share a couple of missionary letters with you. <clears throat> First one's from the Ledbetters over in Ireland. We have sponsored them for years and years and years. And there's one particular paragraph, and I'll bring it to your attention when I get there. Uh, I just found it pretty significant. <clears throat> for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, and that's found in 2 Corinthians 10.4. This is their June-July <clears throat> newsletter. Dear supporting pastors, friends, and family, I love summer in Ireland. This spring, the colors have been probably the most vibrant green I have ever seen. I'm not joking. Photographs don't do it justice. Ireland is the most beautiful country when the sun is out, and I get to live and serve here. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad to report a gentleman named Brian S. got saved on June 2nd. He was a tough cookie, so to speak, always skirting around the issues of sin in his own conscience and whether he could actually just repent and believe the gospel. One of the men here had been working on explaining the gospel to him for weeks. So when I came along, it was fairly easy to convince him that now is the time to get saved not even tomorrow. And he did, praise God. He is growing in his faith and is a joy to be around. 
our annual men's camp was the end of April and it was fantastic. We only had space enough for 48 people, but somehow miraculously we had 68 people in attendance for the three days of preaching and fellowship. In June, our church celebrated its 28th anniversary and it was a treat. It has been two long years since we could have such a celebration, so it felt good. The church had 111 in attendance, which was a great number considering a lot of factors, and the fellowship meal following was a time of great memories. We have two big events coming up. Victory Youth Camp is a week away, and our children's summer Bible camp, the same as VBS, is in early August. <clears throat> We have put a lot of effort into planning and preparing for these two events, but we know it will be nothing without God's blessings and presence. Pray for the young people here who are so used to growing up with no God, no hope, and no trust. Here's the paragraph I found very touching. <clears throat> I am so grateful someone gave me the gospel when I was 17 and told me straight up, I was headed for a devil's hell if I didn't repent and trust what Jesus did for me on the cross. And, I'm, and I am glad for Christians along the way that worked flat out to teach me the Bible and influence my life for God. I owe my sanity and joy to a thousand faithful people over the years. And I want to pass on that joy of the ministry to the next generation. That's, that's incredibly touching, at least for me it is. I, I kind of can identify with that. Then he gives a list of people to pray for, and you can look at the letter yourself for that. <clears throat> Thank you for your sacrifices and for us to be here. Greg and Nita Ledbetter, and they're from Ireland. <clears throat> we have a short urgent letter from Now Ministries. Dear praying friends, many of you have notified us of how you have been praying for the pastors and our staff. It is such an encouragement and we appreciate the spiritual support immensely. Traditionally, the month of August is the lowest month of giving for Now Ministries. In the past years, the ministry has offset this deficit. However, since the ministry covers all the fees, expenses, and shortfalls for the pastor's support, we simply do not have the funds to sustain the August slump this year. We'd be pleased to consider helping, uh, would you please consider helping to offset this sh shortage by giving a one-time generous offering in addition to your regular donations? Your financial support will enable now ministries to continue supporting, training, and equipping pastors, making a world of difference in the families and ministries of these pastors. May God bless you for investing in the lives of others. And that is Drew Marshall. He's been with us again for many, many, many years. He starts up native churches and uh, <clears throat> because they know the territory and they can live much more cost-effective and uh, utilize their resources better. Lastly, let me uh, update you on the Deku family. Remember, they're in Fiji. Uh, quite a few things have changed for them. Dear praying and supporting friends, thank you for your continued prayers for our family. The Lord continues to answer prayers and provide healing for Paul. A little over eight months after his life-threatening ordeal with COVID, he continues to get stronger. He feels about 90% back to normal. A recent chest x-ray showed that his lungs have almost completely healed with minimal scarring. Overall, his doctor has given him a clean bill of health. Various pains that lingered for months have mostly subsided. We are also thankful to the Lord for providing the amazing transformation in his life. Your faithful prayers for Paul and our family are greatly appreciated. <clears throat> Interesting now. Fiji has recently changed their requirements for anyone desiring to enter the country. They have lowered the age limit for mandatory COVID vaccines from 18 to 16 years old. This means that our daughters, Jamie and Andrea, 
would have to be required to receive the COVID vaccine in order to enter Fiji. After much prayer and research, we have decided that right now we are not comfortable having them both vaccinated. <clears throat> we use that term loosely. We have therefore made a change in our plans for a transition, uh, the work here in Fiji into national leadership and settle our personal affairs for indefinite departure. Paul and our oldest daughter, Jamie, will be traveling to Fiji on July 6, 2022, and returning back in October 31st, 2022. Paul will primarily focus on the transition as well as continuing to minister through our church, two church plants uh, during that time. We have notified our sending pastor, Gary Darnell, of our change in plans as well as our mission board, Baptist International Missions Incorporated, of our plans to resign on October 31st, 2022. We greatly appreciate your continued prayer and financial support as we enter the most exciting part of a church planting ministry in Fiji. While our family will greatly miss ministering and living in Fiji, we are excited about the work continuing on in the Lord's future. In other words, they're handing it off to native uh, pastors that they have nurtured our annual first Baptist, uh, this has already come and gone, I'm not going to read that. Uh, our oldest daughter, Jamie, just graduated from high school on May 22nd. She also just celebrated her 18th birthday on June 29th. She would take a year off so she can help with the transition in Fiji and find a job when she returns home to save up for college. She is hoping to begin Bible college in the fall of 2023. She believes that the Lord wants her to be a missionary. Our other five children are doing well and busy enjoying their summer with camp and other exciting opportunities. Uh, we've also supported the Deku family. When they first came, they had no children. Now they've got many children. Uh, so their transition is well. So there's not, lots of things going on. You're welcome to read these letters. They will be put together in our folder out there. Please remember Mike and Melissa. Uh, Mike asked me to 